when we have employees and people on our team, we always tell them that their health and their well-being comes first because if they're not feeling good, if they're not feeling taken care of, they're not going to be able to give your company what it needs. That was Jonathan, co-founder of HR tech company June, talking about why wellness, including mental wellness, was built in day one at June. For some people, total wellness is something that comes to them as part of a, a wellness kick during adulthood. I start to run, and then I realize that changing my diet will help my running a lot, and so I change that too. That's not quite true for Jonathan. He's been experimenting with ways to improve his body and mind since finding a workout book in his dad's closet as a kid. That discovery set him on a lifelong journey of experiments to improve his wellness, to help him live the life he wants to lead. A life that ultimately has led him to co-found a business to help others improve their wellness and their lives. In this episode of Silent Superheroes, we'll hear how Jonathan started his wellness journey. He'll share how two moments of astounding clarity helped him fend off addiction and depression. He'll share the list of unusual things he does right now to develop wellness. Most important of all, he'll tell us how his wellness journey led him to co-found June as a way to help employers meet their employees' wellness needs wherever the employee is on their journey. My name's James Pratt. I'm the host of Silent Superheroes, and I'm really glad that you're here. Welcome to the Silent Superheroes podcast, a series of frank conversations about mental health at work. All right, welcome to Silent Superheroes. I'm here with today's guest, John. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat. I think we've got an interesting story today that I'm, I'm excited to be able to, to tell. And it's your story uh, going through your life flirting with things like anxiety or depression or addiction but then never quite getting to that place where it um, becomes a critical problem in your life and finding other ways to, to deal with it. And then ultimately where, that's, where that takes you to. So I thought maybe let's start quickly with who are you and what do you do? I run a company called June, J-O-O-N, June, and our website is june.io, uh, June in Farsi. Uh, I'm Persian. My co-founder is Persian. June in Farsi means energy, life. It's used as a form of endearment, like James June. And we use it in all different sorts of uh, forms. So even after someone eats a meal, you say in, in, in Farsi, you could say Nusha June, may your soul be nourished. And in our, in our company, in our life, what it means to us is we're helping companies give June, give life give energy to their employees and, and making the workplace um, into a place that gives you June and help companies take care of their people through software that allows them to give, to, allows companies to give their employees what they need, whether that's money for groceries or money for meals or money for mental health uh, and mindfulness programs. So we've essentially built a system that allows companies to distribute funds to their employees in a really efficient and immediate way. And right now that's providing a lot of relief. And I'm a big fan of any business that has a 
like a real purpose, like a real connection to something. And I think when we first met, it was the story of the company and the word June that just caught my attention. And then to discover that there's two young men working to bring something, you know, I think that's very important into the world from the perspective of, of an HR leader. I want to get a little bit more of a sense of, of you. And so you said you're Persian. Um, where did you grow up? You know, what was your home life like? Sure. I grew up in West LA uh, to a really loving, caring, supportive family. I'm the eldest of three boys, three sons, and uh, grew up in a you know, more conservative Jewish community. Got into a lot of trouble growing up uh, in school because I was always kind of, there's a Farsi word for it, that's shaytun, shaytun. So I was a you know, big joker, liked to kind of bring comedy and, and a sense of fun and maybe even wildness to the classrooms and to the, to the kind of more tidied up atmosphere environment that I, that I grew up in. Grew up uh, in high school and then went to college at UC Santa Barbara right by the beach and then landed back in LA a couple years ago. And along this journey, uh, you know, as I understand it, you kind of flirted with things like anxiety, depression, maybe addiction as well. Like just, just walk us through Walk us through that part of your of your journey. Like, how did those things come up on the way? I was pretty impulsive and kind of have always had a little bit more of an extreme personality in some ways. And early in high school, or later in high school, maybe mid high school, I, I started to smoke weed and became quite a bit of a stoner. And that really slowed me down. It really got me to kind of think things through um, a little bit more deeply. Um, but that also got to a point in college where it was inhibiting me from being my authentic, more dynamic self. It was harder for me to be social. It was harder for me to, to speak out. So that there's kind of this, this time where I really sort of needed to rediscover myself and diet, nutrition, uh, help me have, have more clarity and more energy in order to then in the long run make changes that were uh, really pivotal or big part of my big part of my journey and to who I am today in terms of just being happier, uh, healthier, more full of energy. As it relates to the sort of smoking weed was there a particular point where you realized, oh, this is slowing me down too much, this has become a problem, and then you made the kind of health switch, or did it happen a different yeah, way? Yeah, so all, all throughout that journey, I was always pretty active, and even, even as a more of a stoner, I was, I was kind of a more active stoner, go on ride, bike rides and go lift weights and all that sort of thing. Throughout the journey, I was always trying to slow it down. I knew it was something that was going, was holding me back uh, from reaching what I could kind of see in myself as my full potential. It was taking a lot of brain power. It was taking a lot of my attention and focus was, was spent on, you know, when's the next time I'm going to hang out with my friends and, and kind of have a good time. And it wasn't until... I got back to college after my junior year uh, studying abroad in Barcelona, came back and kind of experienced this 
culture shock. Uh, lived in a house with 12 guys on the beach. Everyone was partying really hard. And, and uh, there was this moment that I had uh, that, that really stands out to me personally as an as an infle- as a inflection point where I was on the beach with a bunch of my friends and we were watching the sunset. And I, I knew I had every reason to be happy and to be content and to be enjoying this moment with my loved ones. But there was something physiologically inside where I could not smile. So that was a moment where I kind of looked at myself and I was like, wow, like this, there's something, there's something going wrong in, in myself. And I need to kind of discover, be curious about what that is and how I can fix it. And I think some people might say that sounds a little like depression, right? That kind of internal kind of sadness. I know I should be happy, but I can't find that, you know, right now, but you didn't go kind of, to a psychiatrist or a counselor, get you know diagnosed with that. You took some decisions that put you on what was ultimately a good path. So, what decisions did you take from there? It's interesting that you bring you know more more of like a formal way of describing what I was experiencing, which is probably some level of depression. And even in that time when I was kind of trying to discover what it was, I would talk to some friends who I knew were taking Prozac or seeing therapists and doing cognitive behavioral therapy. And tried really from a place of curiosity to understand what their journey was. Like, what, what did they, how did they know they had to get to that point in that place? And for me, I feel lucky that it didn't get there. Not to say that it couldn't have helped me in its own light, um, but I really sought out, you know, more quote unquote wellness. Uh, so more, more yoga, uh, started flirting with meditation. Uh, started to continue continue to optimize uh, my food, but really some of the biggest things that came out of that was more of a a, a deeper sense of purpose around what did I want to pursue in terms of my career professionally, um, and what was this experience and my love for health and my love for hey how how can you um, invest time in certain things that then make you feel better how could I share more of that with the world? And then also something else that came through that was more community. So how do I spend more time, more quality time with people who have similar values and can support that, can support the best version of me? Say that. So that's what I started to seek out. And that same year, I started to just make some drastic changes in my life about who I spent time with, how I spent my time. And started to really take school more seriously and what I was going to do next. And my love for food transformed and took me to actually continuing to work in the natural foods industry. So a space that actually had had a profound impact on my, on my health and on my life. When you describe your story, there are a couple of moments that stick out in my mind. One is kind of the, the weed smoking version of you who realized that you know, so much of your mind space was being occupied by the kind of pursuit of hanging out with your with your friends. And then again, you know, coming back from Barcelona and living in this frat house, being on the beach, not being able to enjoy it. And in both cases, it, I'm going to put a label on it. I'm going to say you had a moment of awakening. Like you woke up and you had sort of clarity, the clarity to be able to see this isn't working. Here are some of the areas that I need to make changes. I need you know, to find more community, for example and then to follow through on those things, right? 
That's a bunch of big steps that that you were able to take. What was it about you that helped you be able to wake up in that? Why can't more people do that? <laughs> Something I'm trying to figure out every day. <laughs> not not to say I'm enlightened or anything of that sort, but I guess I think of it more and more as a as a sequence of decisions. How do we, as a society and as a culture, create systems? create products, create services that help people align their intentions with their behavior. Everyone wants to, a lot of people want to work out. A lot of people want to sleep well, um, want to be healthy, want to be happy, and want to be free of suffering. But what what holds them back um, in terms of that cycle or that loop of decision-making? Is there Are they positively reinforced? At a certain point in my life, there was a, this negative cycle one bad decision would lead to another bad decision would lead to another bad decision. But how do you kind of build momentum the other way? For me, I think there's a couple of things that stick out to me. And one was really, I keep coming back to it, but it was really food. It was like, what type of fuel am I putting in my body every day? And how can that help me feel energetic? If I have the mental clarity to make better decisions, and if my cup is full, you know, then I, then I can act and more integrity, I guess. Um, the other component is, I think, just having positive uh, support system, which I know I'm extremely uh, fortunate to have. A lot of people don't have that. You know, having people who love you, no matter what, friends, family, and I think that really helped me sort of along my path is people who see the best part of you, even when you don't see the best part of yourself. Two thoughts come to my mind as I listen to you. One is that society wants us to stay asleep. And I don't mean in that like, oh, society's really bad because it wants us to stay asleep. It's not like there's somebody there pulling all the strings, but it's easier to be asleep than it is to wake up. And I think the second thing is that, I think you kind of pointed this out, but it's one choice. It's the next choice. Next choice can be a choice that moves you forward, keeps you where you are, choice that, that takes you backwards. The more choices you take that move you forward, small, little decisions, it does create that, that positive reinforcing cycle. Because I've been on the opposite of that. I've been on the depression side of that too. And each decision you take makes things worse. I mean, in many cases, you don't have a choice over those decisions or don't, have a, don't feel like you have a choice over those decisions. Um, so I think that's part of it. And actually, a third thought occurs purpose. When you told that story, you said, I kind of wanted my life to be a certain way. You had a, a vision. Because like you say, every, lots of people want to get fit and healthy. Lots of people want to eat better, but they don't know why. I think over time, I was trying to discover what that why was. Like a good part of the journey was, was around discovering that, that why. And my own health, well-being journey transpired into a, a bigger why like not doing this just for myself but you know if i struggled with this coming from a great family and a great support system and community then how are other people who are struggling with this sort of stuff that that is really painful and hard and challenging how are they going to overcome this like what do they need and a lot of that came a lot of that became this idea and this well, this personal why that I that I come back to almost every day, which is how do we make health and well being 
and a, and a broader view of health and well-being, not just mental health, not just physical health, but financial health. How do we make that more accessible? How do we create greater accessibility to health and wellness? And that started with, you know, working in and around the food space. But then I saw that this stuff was expensive. How do you get that stuff to people who can't afford it? And uh, I'm really grateful that my, that my business partner, who's also a big uh, passion, very passionate about uh, behavioral science and behavioral psychology and decision-making uh, really got me to see that one of the decisions that each of each and every one of us make every day, which is at the cash register, how are we voting with our wallet? How are we spending our money? Are we spending our money in a way that's aligned with our health? And are we spending our money in a way that's aligned with the, the health of the world, health of the planet? And that is, that's why I get so excited uh, waking up, doing what I'm doing and, and uh, with June because it's so, full, it's so full of purpose and it's so full of meaning for me is because we are directly impacting someone's wallet. So I don't know if that's too much of a tangent, but that's sort of... No. Well, I think that's perfect for where we're, where we're going, actually. So, I mean, that led you, you worked through the food industry, and then that led you to a place where you're like, okay, time for me to do something now. Time for me to start a business. So that's Jonathan's journey pre-June. In a segment of our conversation that unfortunately I had to cut, Jonathan talked about living your life weird. That's not weird in the pejorative sense of an odd outsider, but as Jonathan described it in the Anglo-Saxon definition of the word. That's weird spelt W-Y-R-D. And that weird means taking choices and being in control of your life. In his journey to this point, Jonathan has taken weird choices like exploring depression before it became an issue, or stopping smoking pot so he could live life in a different way. We aren't all wired like Jonathan, with that clarity to make these big decisions quickly and easily. But we do all make decisions every hour of every day. And it's those little decisions, argues Jonathan, that add up to change. So let's hear more about Jonathan, his company, and why making good decisions is at the heart of it. How did that business come to be? I understand kind of like why you founded it, but like how did you meet your co-founder? How did you decide like okay, we're gonna we're gonna do a thing here? Sure. So my co-founder Sebastian and I grew up together. We've known each other for the, the last fifteen plus years. Um, he was actually my neighbor growing up. We used to play a lot of basketball, and we kept each other sort of updated on our own life and career journeys. Uh, he's more of a real estate, private equity, finance guy. And I had gotten involved in the natural foods industry and then uh, doing sales. And um, I was toying around with this idea of how do you use technology to make health and wellness more accessible and more affordable. And Sebastian had come also from the perspective of, had come from a different perspective of how do you use money and financial systems and banking to help people make better decisions for themselves, for their families, whether it's investing and so on and so forth. So we came together to create our first product. Uh, we built a digital bank uh, with a rewards card. Sebastian reached into his wa wallet. He had a Banana Republic card. 
It's like, what does this Banana Republic card do for me? It just makes me spend more money on things and, and clothes that I don't even need. And we looked at that tool and said, how about if we built a tool like that, that reinforced healthy behavior, that reinforced working out or eating well, and also that supported brands that were doing good in the world, whether it's a brand like Patagonia or, or another one that is doing something that's related and bringing some sort of relief or some sort of a solution to social and environmental problems. And we came together, we built this debit card product. And when we took that product to market as a consumer product, it actually started to gain traction through companies and through their employees. So companies signing up for the product and giving it to their employees in order for them to incentivize health and wellness and, and you know, more positive decisions and to take care of their people, to support their people in that way. And that's when we looked at what we had built and said, you know, companies have for both a moral and ethical obligation as well as a business case for having happier and healthier people, how can we use uh, companies in order to create this win-win-win where we, we can make it really easy for companies to do this and, and give their employees money to invest in themselves? And So let's talk a little bit more about what June is. Where do you want to start with that conversation? Everyone's at a different place within their wellness journey, within their life. Uh, especially within a company, you get people from all different walks of life, different age groups, uh, whether it's, you know, a recent college grad who's struggling with student loans, or it's a new parent uh, who needs a, a form of child, child uh, care support, or whether it's, it's just someone who's struggling and wants to move more or wants to incorporate more mindfulness or mental health uh, into their lives better mental health into their lives. So everyone is at a different position in, in their life journey. And as a company, how do you support and take care of your people in those various stages without it breaking the bank and without it taking a bunch of time and money to, to incorporate new programs? And that's where we found a real opportunity to, to come in and help and say, hey, if you're trying to support your people in this more meaningful, individualized way, here's a platform that can do that. And you could do that in minutes and you don't need to do any of the admin work or the extra stuff. With our system, if we wanted to just get a little bit more granular, a company can set up a benefits program or a well, total well-being program within minutes. They can self-select categories that they think are meaningful to their employees, whether that be helping them with foods and groceries during this time, uh, whether it be helping them provision their homes for remote work, whether it's mindfulness and meditation and mental and things or digital therapy that support mental health, choose your categories, choose an allowance that you're willing to give to your employees every month. And then you're done. Invite your employees to the platform and you don't need to manage or administer that program anymore. And employees on their end, they get an invite. Hey, your company cares about you, loves you. Here's a hundred dollars a month to spend within these categories. And as an employee, all you need to do to enroll or claim this benefit is just link a card, link a debit or credit card to our system, and then go spend within those categories. And our technology will automatically validate when you've spent within those parameters. And every month, you'll get that money back from your employer without you having to do anything. I remember I worked for an employer who had a, we got a fitness 
stipend every month, right? It was just money. I think it was money that arrived in your paycheck. And I always put it aside for the things that I cared about, which was playing soccer, you know, riding my bike. So like I was going to get new pedals for my bike, you know, then I could afford it out of that, out of that budget. And to your point, it really felt like they cared about me because it wasn't giving me a gym membership. Like a gym membership to me is useless because for me doing exercise with like no <laughs> destination or points just doesn't work. I have to play soccer where there's like, you know, somebody wins, loses, or it's a, it's a tie. I have to cycle, you know, which means I'm going somewhere, sitting in one place, like on a machine or whatever, just, just doesn't work for me. So that was a great example of, I got money that meant I could spend on fitness things that I cared about and that felt valuable, important to me. So I think it's a great, a great, uh, great program. How has your journey uh, towards excellent physical mental health. How does that help you as a leader at your company? In terms of my own journey, be feeling better on a day to day, mentally, physically, that allows me to be more of myself. It allows me to bring more of my the, the best version of myself to my organization, to my company, uh, to my people. Uh, whether that means you know taking time to check in with them and really genuinely be curious about what their needs are and how they need support because my cup feels full. So you can, there's that saying that you can, it's, it's hard to pull from an empty cup or it's, it's, it's easier to, to pour from a full cup. Uh, so that I see that every day, you know, I'm doing sales and talking to a lot of people. So having the energy to sustain myself from a day to day, our companies is talking about is is preaching wellness so i need i really feel like i need to feel well uh, and that was actually a big transition for us you know going from uh, a consumer product that was heavily marketed on instagram and on these social platforms to selling a b2b product where i'm selling through linkedin and i'm selling through email and selling through phone calls and zoom that was actually a huge part of my wellness journey as well, because uh, what I've been more and more uh, curious or bullish about is digital hygiene, you know, getting away from our phones and using them uh, more mindfully. So all of that, you know, kind of bringing it together is, is the wellness is uh, we we're really trying to incorporate the wellness into our company. And also when we have employees and people on our team, we always tell them that their health and their well-being comes first because if they're not feeling good, if they're not feeling taken care of, they're not going to be able to give your company what it needs. So it sounds like you've tried a lot of things to get to a place of good physical and mental wellness. Like what's the what's the inventory of stuff that you that you have done and, and are doing? Sure. So I'll try to quickly skip over the boring stuff that everyone else is also also preaching right now. I do some time-restricted eating. I start my mornings with just black coffee and and nothing else. And that kind of helps me stay light and, and focused in the morning. I get at least three miles of walking in every day. 
and, and make sure that in some way I move my body, even if that's just like light stretching in the morning or, or before or hanging from a pull-up bar from these TRX bands uh, before bed. And then there's st- stuff that's a little bit more different than I sort of just kind of discovered randomly. A lot of like research and stuff around doing gratitude and around journaling, but sometimes it, it gets to the end of the night or even in the morning and I want to kill two birds with one stone and I don't want to sit behind a journal or sit behind my computer and type away. So I'll actually use a, an app, a voice transcription app called otter.ai and I'll go on long walks and do voice journaling. So I'll actually be talking out loud about my day and it allows me to integrate the experiences of the day, the learnings of the day, uh, the things that challenge me uh, into the next day. And that has been a pretty powerful, powerful part of my, my wellness hygiene or routine. A uh, couple other things is I've recently gone into singing. I think it's a really powerful uh, way to get into like a flow state or just being extremely present. It feels really good. It's, it's really cathartic or, or therapeutic. And my brother's a singer and has been, you know, so I get some personal tutoring, which is really, which is really awesome. And then the last thing I'll say that's a little bit more maybe different is uh, airplane mode. So before bed, at least the last, the last hour of the day or the first hour of the morning, my phone is on airplane mode. And that really allows me to modulate how much time I spend on my phone. And it really allows me to have ownership over that, the end of my day and the beginning of the day or the book ends. That practice alone or that habit alone has had this ripple effect on, on my creativity. It has allowed me to develop a more consistent meditation practice. It has allowed me to make time for singing. It has allowed me to do so much. So I think in a time where you know we're so tethered to our phone and there's so much information out there, taking time to kind of decompress and do things that don't involve technology is extremely important. And that's, that has been maybe the cornerstone of focus in the last year or so. So we're coming up to the end here of our podcast together. And I want to do a little thought experiment. And I'm going to do a slightly different thought experiment than I usually do, because I feel like you're somebody who's looking forward, not backward. So I want us to go 10 years into the future. And I want you to send yourself a message based on who you are now, where you are in your life, and something that you want yourself to remember in 10 years. That's a really good one. Uh, I just had a birthday and was sort of reflecting on what I want to bring in. It would be something along the, the lines of continue organizing and prioritizing what's most important to you and what really matters all the while surrendering to the spontaneity and the, and the magic of life uh, without needing to control, you know, controlling the things that you can control, but also taking time to just let go and enjoy what happens in life when, when you don't have to exert too much uh, willpower or discipline or, or control. How about you? I kind of want to say exactly what you said, but that's such a cheap answer that I'm going to try not to, to do that. I think I want to tell myself that I hope that we were able to design the life that we wanted to lead. And 
if we didn't get there, we didn't get there yet, keep the faith because you deserve to live life weird. Bring it back. <laughs> Love it. All right. Uh, before we wrap up, anything else that you wanted to say or, or share? Well, thank you for this, James. It was really fun. Love the work that you're doing and glad people, people out there are doing this sort of stuff. I think it's important. I think, you know, I've listened to so many podcasts and books and hearing someone else's journey um, can sometimes, you know, at different points in your own life can like draw or, or highlight certain insights and learnings or things about your own life. So hopefully someone out there will find this helpful and, and appreciate what you're doing. And uh, if there's anything else I could do to support, please, please let me know. We'd love to, we'd love to help. Thank you very much. John, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. So that was Jonathan's story from the joker kid in his LA classroom to now co-founding June. When you start a business, there are lots of different choices in front of you, lots of different businesses you could build. Let's say you think improving employee wellness is important. Lots of different businesses you could start. You could sell a yoga service. You could deliver fruit. You could build a meditation app. These are solid and important solutions. But if you can step back, you start to see other solutions that can have a broader impact and meet a bigger range of needs. Jonathan and his co-founder at June realized that they could help more people to wellness by building a financial system that simplified employers giving their employees money to spend on wellness. It's a really great, clever solution. So why can't we all step back and think about those bigger picture solutions? Often, it's the clutter in our brains and our bodies that gets in the way. Fortunately, there are ways to clear the clutter. We can take a daily three-mile walk while voice journaling. We could start some kind of experimental diet, or we could learn how to sing. Those are three ways that Jonathan is currently working on his wellness. Now, it's frustratingly obvious to say that doing things for your wellness over and over push you towards a better mental and physical state. And what's infuriating is how difficult it can be to set these things up as a habit. Jonathan has made his life's habit out of wellness. And he has an important lesson that can help us all on the wellness path. It's not the big decisions. It's the little ones. Each good decision is a step towards change. Eventually, lots of small good decisions adds up to change that leads to the sort of life we want to live. Maybe spending more time with your family. Maybe fewer relapses into depression or, like Jonathan, founding a company with one of your oldest friends. I think this episode inspired me to look again at my overall approach to wellness. I manage bipolar, which can be a difficult condition to manage. And everything that I do matters and makes a difference. So my commitment coming out of this is to find a small decision I can make every day that moves me in a better direction. And if there's something you want in your future, make a small good decision for your physical and mental health today. If you do that today, you're going to start clearing up your body and your mind so it's ready for whatever it is you're dreaming about. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast today. If you like what you've heard, please leave a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you have any feedback you want to send to me personally, you can reach me at james at silentsuperheroes.com. And if you want to hear about new episodes as they're released, you can sign up for the newsletter at silentsuperheroes.com. 
Or you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash silent superheroes. Take your mental health seriously. If you need to speak to someone, you can call 1-800-273-8255 or text crisistextline.org at 741-741. Both provide 24-7 confidential counseling to people in the United States. Worldwide, visit iasp.info slash resources slash crisis underscore centers slash to help others find the silent superheroes podcast please leave a review on itunes or your favorite podcasting service